Okay, we're in Acts chapter 8. Acts 8, we'll pray. My God, as we look into your word, this is the thing, Lord. We're expecting that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, we're expecting that after the service, we won't be the same people we were before the service. Uh, does your word have the power to change us? Yes, it does. Uh, most here will testify. At one time or another, you spoke to our hearts in a saving way, and you brought us out of uh, Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of light, into the light of your dear son. At one time, you changed us from dead people to living people. And in the interim, Lord, you've changed us in many ways. You've taught us. You've brought us along. You've blessed us. You've challenged us. You've spoken to us through your word. And we would that you speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I, I, I'm so excited about the second half of this chapter. I was going to just rush right to it and do the whole thing today. But it won't, I won't do the first half of the chapter any justice. And it's kind of like two little vignettes, can I say? Uh, and I, I don't want to rush the second part because I kind of want to spend... I, th there's too much things that can be said here. I can just read it and let it speak for itself, but we don't do that. We, we do verse by verse. We give the meaning. I was talking to Suze uh, about w th this week about something. She says, what do you think about this guy? And it was a Calvary Chapel guy, and I, what I thought about him wasn't entirely terrific because w what he does is he takes a, uh, like a psalm, and he'll read it, and then he'll say something about it and tell a story that I think he just wants to tell, and then he'll go on to the next psalm. And he doesn't do the verse by verse, and I'm like, Ugh. What he? I didn't disagree with anything he said. I thought it was important and worthwhile, the things he was talking about. I just don't, I think he should just slow down and get all the verses because we want to know what the verses say. And, then, and in them is life. In them is the, the change that we need, the vitamins that we need for spiritual health. God's word is a, is a, is a feast if, if we will have it. Uh, okay, so uh, with all that saying, we're going to take the first half of the chapter and we'll end in verse 25 today. And there's a lot, there's a lot here. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Well, well, we started right in the middle. Okay, remember, when the Bible was written, there were no chapters. I mean, we have all the stuff that we have now, uh, the same things, but the, it wasn't put in chapters. So when they put it in chapters and verses, that was helpful, because now I can say open up to Acts chapter 8, and we all go to the same place. Uh, but it, but we, we're still in a thought of chapter 7, the hymn, uh, his death was Stephen. So remember last time we were together, we talked about at, at length about the ministry, the life, the short life, and the glorious death of our, our brother Stephen, the first martyr. Uh, having said that, no, no statuary, no, uh, we, we, with fondness, he's, he's emblazoned in the pages of Scripture. We remember him that way. We don't paint paintings necessarily. We don't do marble sculptures. We don't, worship, uh, uh, we, we, we no acknowledge, um, and, and we acknowledge that he was, like I say, the first martyr. At this time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad uh, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, we got to visit here for a second. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're persecuted, you don't like it very well, and God uses that to grow his church, always. Your suffering is never wasted. 
So here, they, they were persecuting the apostles. We can shut up these loudmouths. We can get this whole thing to just stop immediately. But it's not working. These guys are beaten, and they rejoice. Hey, hey, hey great day. We get to suffer for Jesus. And, and how do you stop a guy like that or guys like that? So now, oh, just, we'll, I, I will do it. We'll attack the children. We'll attack everybody. We'll, you know, we'll just persecute everybody, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll stop it that way. Why are they trying to stop it at all? Because they're agents of Satan. I, I want everyone to understand here. White, black, light, dark, up, down, gods or Satans. There's no middle. We put some nebulous. I, I, I'm not, listen, I'm not against Jesus. I'm not, I'm not anti-Jesus Christ. No, Jesus is cool. I like the way he likes the little children. That's all very good. No, no, you're profoundly wrong. According to Jesus... He says, if you're not for me, you're against me. If you're, not, if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering abroad. There's a lot of people who show up and just by virtue of the fact they're not for Jesus, they're, they're, on, they're in Satan's team. That's how it is. There's no neutral here. And I want to peel everyone out of that fuzzy gray central area they think they've put themselves in. It doesn't exist. It only exists in our imagination. So they're persecuting the church, and they're all scattered abroad. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, Jesus said, I want you to do this. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you're going to be my witnesses, maturos, martyr, and they were. <laughs> I talked to Stephen about it. You're going to be my, my witnesses in what? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Why am I moving my hands like that? Because it's a small area, and it grows out and grows out from there. Are there uh, people in Judea? Well, Jerusalem's in Judea. But mostly the gospel's right in Jerusalem, in the very surrounding environs as they go home at night and talk to their families and friends. And, and has the gospel gone to Samaria? Jesus said it's supposed to. Oh, it's going to. But nobody's getting over to Samaria and telling them about the wonderful news about Jesus Christ. Jesus ministered in Samaria. Remember the woman at the well? The whole village came out. He told me everything I ever did. And they all came out and they, they believed. You remember that? Jesus ministered in Samaria. He loves Samaritans. And he wants them saved. But everyone's kind of dragging their heels and hanging around Jerusalem, and God says, I got a plan. Is it a beneficial plan? Yeah. It doesn't look like it because people are suffering. It, this is how it works, and I want you to understand that because it's really important that you get this point. You're suffering, you know, sometimes we're suffering, it's a fallen world. Suffering's a complex. I can't, you know, in five minutes tell you everything. Sometimes it's just dumb old we're living in a fallen world. It's infested with thorns. Bad things happen. It, 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 it. People who love Jesus catch a cold, and people who don't love Jesus catch a cold. The same cold. People who uh, love Jesus get behind in their taxes. No, they would never. They do. And, and people who hate Jesus get behind in their taxes. And, and, and people who are, love Jesus, they lose their jobs, as well as the unbelief. There's a, there's a, it's a fallen world where bad things happen sometimes. And then add to that, there's a suffering that happens that directly God allows to grow you. 
And here I think is that's what we're looking at. They're not doing anything wrong in the sense that they're sinning, they're all fornicating, they're all idolaters, none of that stuff. They're living and loving, they're filled with the Spirit, and God says, hey, how about over here? No, they're not listening to me. Okay, persecution. Oh, now they're over there. That's good. And you understand, I want you to understand that things are happening beyond our ability to understand them, and they're playing out for God's big plan. And our big plan at the same time. Remember, all things work together for the good. To them that love the Lord, who are the call according to his purpose. What, what good is that? What, what, uh, you just said colds and losing a job. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to become unto the likeness of the image of his son. He's trying to make us like Jesus. And he allows these things in our lives that bring us to this place. And this is what's happening here. They're all scattered abroad. And the word scattered here is the same that Jesus used when a man went out to sow seed. He scattered the seed. Threw it all over. He don't care. It's going on good ground. It's going on rocky ground. It's going on, right? It's just scattered everywhere. This is the same scattering. It's seed, and the seed's going out in every, every direction. Throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Okay, remember Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It's happening. Except the apostles. They stayed back at Jerusalem because they were founders of the church. They had to make sure, you know, that everything was going good at, at base camp, so to speak. Now, devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Uh, there was a, I was listening to one brother, again, a Calvary Chapel guy, who said, you know, we miss in the boat when it comes to funerals, you know, when we make our great lamentations and, and stuff like this. And he was preaching in this section. He said these devout men are religious people who were of the old guard, the old school, the old, you know, that's the way they did it kind of thing. And he kind of says the way, you know, Israel did it. That's, that's not the way we're supposed to do it. And I listened to everything he said, and I thought, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Great lamentation, do whatever. It, or, or not so much. There's no right, there's no wrong to it. You know we're not told anywhere, like, how to have funerals or how to mourn or how to... Nothing like that. And you know why, there, you know why that happens? Because I think, you know, people are different. And I think that's okay. I think God made us different. We're not to mourn like those who have no hope. Well, I get that. I get that. I've heard people at funerals wail like a banshee thinking it's over, we've lost them forever, and we're never going to see them again. And they have this like wailing that will just, ugh, to listen to it just, I don't know how to even describe it. We're not, we're not those people. But profound sorrow, great lamentation, Nothing wrong with that. I, I, I say that because I was wondering if like, somebody else heard that and they thought like, well, you know, when my wife of 50 years died, I was really sad and now I feel condemned on top of it. I'm thinking like, you knucklehead. Don't, don't, I wonder if people like think everything they, when they teach that they realize how it's going to resonate with people. I don't ever want to condemn. You know what? I want to convict you when you're doing wrong with the idea, hey, don't be messing up. Choose to sin. Choose to suffer. Why are you doing that? And God's given us power over that. But I don't want to lecture you. I don't want to be this, you know, guy with the four-foot-long finger and you're pointing right at you all the time, lecturing you and scolding you. I don't even want to be that. Why? Because I don't, the golden rule, I don't want to have that done to me. If somebody really loves me and they want to help me out, great. If somebody wants to tell me what a louse I am, I got the memo, I know. I mean, yikes. And that's so satanic. It, exactly. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. 
Your pastor does not want to do the work of Satan. But let's keep moving. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial. They made great lamentation over it. To which I say, amen. It's for Saul. Saul who? Well, he was the one back in chapter 7. They, they stoned uh, uh, and they cast him out of the city, verse 58, and stoned him in the witness. Uh, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. We're introduced to this guy, Saul. We'll find out more about him. He's going to be the star of the rest of the book, by the way, in a few chapters from now. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So Saul was there, consenting unto his death, verse 1 of chapter 8. Yeah, it means he's cast his vote in approval of his stoning. The idea is like he's a member of the Sanhedrin. We'll find that out later on. Uh, so here we have uh, the introduction to, to Saul. And now he's back, now in verse 3, it's for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. I don't know about you, I want to go to prison. I, I, I only like to visit. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I got friends there or something like that. You, you've been in prison. If you're a guy, you've been in prison. Don't tell me different. Maybe you're in on the inside. Maybe you're in just visiting. Okay, you weren't there for the... We, we get it, because you, you, your friends are knuckleheads like my friends are knuckleheads, and sometimes we're the knucklehead, and, and sometimes we just stayed ahead of the local constabulary, and we probably should have done time, but they didn't catch up with us, and now we're repented, and everything's good. Uh, I don't want to go to prison. This is prison because they believe in Jesus Christ, no other reason. Now, we're protecting America against that for the time being. Adam, you're thinking, yeah, that'll always be that way. We're not getting rid of the Constitution anytime soon. I mean, you always talk like this, and, oh, listen, if I could tell you, if you could know what I know over the course of my life, see what I saw, see the change, this, this if I could say it in a few words, dramatically show you where we were as a country and where we are now, you wouldn't have that arrogant, oh, pfft, throwing Christians in jail. That's ridiculous. I, give you, I can give you a lot of reasons why it's, not so ridiculous, not so far-fetched. There's a lot of countries in this, in this world where what I'm doing now is absolutely, positively against the law. It's a law to own one of these. Can you imagine? Uh, coming to America, I'm not a prophet. I see the trends. Now let's keep moving. So he's hailing men and women He's committing, uh, hailing them, arresting them, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now, more on that prison and the persecution later on. Now we have this little vignette, as I say. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. This is remarkable. I, I don't know if we know how remarkable this is. Jews hated Samaritans. The Assyrians came and they wiped out the northern kingdom, which capital was Samaria. That's how they come to call Samarians. They left the poorest in the land. They took everyone else and they kind of salted them all over the Assyrian Empire. A lot of intermarriage. They brought foreigners into the, and so the land wouldn't just, you know, so they would be able to cultivate, to collect taxes, things like that. So they brought in foreigners. And then there was marriage in between these Jewish people of the northern kingdom and foreigners, and idolatry was introduced, and so there was a religious bigotry and a bigotry ethnic, racist, whatever you want to call it, where we had half-Jews, and they called them half-breeds, and they treated them like they were dogs. People would, when they were going north of, of, of Israel, they would go cross over the, the 
the Jordan, and they would go north on, and go around Samaria. They hated it so much. Was Jesus like that? No, 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 no. And let me just say this. No. I, being an ex-racist, you hate me now, right? Oh, I was young and stupid, and racism is very stupid, very baseless. I experienced the love of Christ in my life, and, and having the love of God shed abroad in, in, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Racism has no place in the life of a Christian. Jesus is not a racist. Not, no how, no way. So he goes to Samaria and he's preaching and he's sharing and he's leading people to a saving knowledge of himself. And Jesus loves Samaritans. But for him to go, it's like, I don't know. I, and you remember the story where Jesus tells about the Good Samaritan? <laughs> Do you realize how that resonated in the hearts of those who received it? It's like going to a, I don't know, like going to Iran and preaching the good Jew. Or just think of groups that hate each other. Going to a Ku Klux Klan rally and preaching the good Negro or back in civil rights times or whatever, however you want to say it. These people are like, good Samaritan? You remember when the good, he says to the guy, so, so who was the one who showed compassion. He says, um, the last guy. He couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He was, they're so racist. There's so much hatred. Philip, does he have this, this hatred, this, 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 this racism, this? No, not at all. Not at all. He's been touched by the Holy Spirit of God. Remember, Philip's one of the deacons, and he's, he's, he's not the same Philip. He's, he's spirit-filled. He's, yeah, I gotta go tell them Samaritans, man. I gotta tell them all about Jesus. And some, some of the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, if they, he, he told them in the plan, he'd say, you're going to go, what? Share the gospel with dogs? You're going to tell half human beings about the hatred was intense? And even much of the church might have thought, this is not such a great idea. Oh, it's a wonderful idea. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. The miracles which he did, so God is using miracles to, as grabbers to get everyone's attention. Hey, hey, this guy's for real. Uh, because God's blessing. Why is God's blessing there? Because God loves Samaritans. Jesus said, Jerusalem and Judea, and all the Jewish folk would say, yeah, yeah, and then he'd say Samaria, and they're saying, what? Really? Is that your plan? Has, has it worked in the lives of all the apostles at this time, pre-Acts chapter 2, that God had a plan for the whole world? They should have known that because God said, in you, Abraham, shall the whole world be blessed. They should have figured it out, but they had this, oh, you're not Jewish? Hmm, kind of idea that, I don't know where they got it. It's, it's, it's to me, it's, I, I don't know. But anyway, so he's preaching the gospel and doing miraculous things. What miracles, Adam? Well, that's verse 7. For unclean spirits, read here, demons. You, what, what, you mean like demonic possession? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. That's what the Bible's saying. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with uh, palsies, 
um, uh, some uh, versions will say uh, paralysis here, and that were lame were healed. So people were lame from whatever, for whatever reason, polio, uh, industrial accident, I, I don't know, you know, can't walk, can't do whatever, and all of a sudden they're healed. In the name of Jesus, as the gospel's going forward, We can visit there for a long time. And there was great joy in that city, I guess. What is this, like Jesus mania, part two? Because Jesus had been there, and he'd done a lot of these things too. This isn't Jesus. This is one of his followers. You know what that means? Well, okay, Jesus, he was a great teacher and a great healer, and, a, and maybe he was the, you know, uh, uh, the, what were they thinking? What were they fomenting in their mind like he's, uh, maybe he's the Messiah, maybe he's, you know, the, the, the promised one, maybe, and now all of a sudden, regular, can I say lay people? I hate that term, because there's no such, there's no such thing in scripture, we're, we're the, uh, the children of a great king, uh, but the rank and file, the individuals, the, the followers of, of this great rabbi, this now they're doing the miracles too, and their messages, and now people can say, it wasn't just him, I mean, Hey, me too. Can I get on board here? Can I, you know, and I think, you know, this is what's happening. And of course there's great joy. When, when your loved one was lame or paralyzed or demon-possessed, and now they're delivered from whatever's malady is ailing them, that's a time of great joy. I, w- I, would, I would venture to guess that that would be a happy occasion. Now, there's a certain man named Simon, and much of this is going to uh, have to do with Simon from this point on. Uh, and let's, let's uh, the Holy Spirit drawing our attention to this guy. He was before time in the, sa- great, in the same city used, uh, he used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. So he's into self-gloss, self-promotion. I'm Simon the Great. And he uses sorcery, and he's bewitching the people. He's using magic. Is it like magic tricks? No, magic, magic like magicians who do that like nowadays, that's fun. That's just called showmanship, okay? They're not really, doing, they're not really sawing a woman in half and then putting her back together. It's an illusion. It's smoke and mirrors. They look like they're doing certain things. We can applaud their genius. They're not demonic, okay? This is kind of the same idea, the same word, but he's really doing things. And he, they, look at what they say. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. They're not saying this man has the great power of God. They're saying this man is the great power of God. Whatever he's doing, it's astonishing enough so that they believe, hey, wow, 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 this guy's incredible. He can do, like, God stuff. And to him they had regard because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Did he do real supernatural things? Yes. Uh, we see that very often in Scripture. We're going to see it in our study in the book of Exodus where the magicians who oppose Moses are able to do incredible things as well. How does that work? Because there's God and because there's Satan and Satan will 
share his power with his minions to, cap, to make captive some people. Because these think, hey, Simon, he's the guy. He can do all this stuff. Simon, they're calling him the power of God. His power is coming from a place, but it's not God. It's satanic. Does Simon know that? I don't know. I don't know. Here he comes to it. It looks like real repentance. Can sorcerers, conjurers, people who are on board satanically, I mean signed up, you know, raise their right hand, taken the oath or whatever, can they be saved? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can, can Jesus deliver even people in satanic bondage? Hey, yeah, he does it every day. It's, it's like, yes. The answer is yes. Uh, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Okay, so there's salvation, they believe the gospel, salvation comes, and then there's baptism. And just like falling off a log, it's one, two, three. We fight to get people baptized now, you know. Now, you know, I get baptized as a little kid, they say. And then they're saved, and they realize that baptism wasn't anything, but still now they're adults, and it's all ridiculous, and we don't want to do that. Come on, really? No, they're, they're all adults here. They're all uh, of an age... I'm sure there are, you know, teens and children involved here as well. Children are great because children are just like, yeah, yeah, baptize me. I love Jesus. Just dunk me in the water. Uh, with us older ones, we're more refined and we're more, uh, oh, I don't know, a little bit of pride there, I think. You know, no, we don't want to, no. There aren't, they're just, no, no, I want to let everyone know I stand for Jesus here. And I think that's what baptism is. Uh, in our day, I mean, uh, I think it was in their day, but I mean, I want, this is what I, I think, and I think, I think is what, I want everyone to know there's a line here that I've crossed over, and I'm not crossing back, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want mom and dad and my brothers and my sisters and my cousins and my aunts and my uncles and all my friends to know it. I think it's a big deal, and even when we do get baptized, we don't invite, invite all them because, you know, you know, let's just keep this on the down low. Again, really, I, you know. I think it's a big deal. Is it the deal, the deal breaker? You don't get baptized, you're not saved? Oh, that's ridiculous. Nobody's, nobody's saying that. But here, we, the, the New Testament knows nothing of an unbaptized believer. I mean, do we know a story? Do you, do you know one? Because I don't know one. Where a guy gets saved and he says, nah, I don't want to get baptized, and then just doesn't, and it's okay. What, what verse is that? Because I missed that one. Here, they, they're on board. Hey, let's do this thing. And they were baptized, both men and women. And Simon himself believed also and was baptized. Now, any problems here yet? No. I think he's like on board, it looks like. And there's nothing here for us to understand that he's not the real deal. Is he the real deal? Well, we have some doubts later on. We're wondering how convinced how convicted how on board he really is but this is always the problem this is always the problem um well i know you're a christian because you're here at church <laughs> all right welcome brother sister right uh, not exactly well i i know you're the real deal because you want to get baptized um not exactly <laughs> not exactly right uh, I'm always wrestling with this. Listen, on your say-so, we'll baptize you here, okay? I'm not going to put you in a lie detector test. I'm not going to, 
You know, I'm not a fruit inspector in a sense like I'm looking at your life real severe. Okay, are they tithers? We ask, you know, the financial people. Uh, are they tithing? Oh, no, well, oh, they just start, okay, well, we're back. No, there's no litmus test, and there's no way that, there's no line that you cross. Listen, you say you believe that you're, you're one of us. We'll, we'll baptize you, sure. Does that mean you're in? Oh, you're in when God says you're in. You're in when you really, truly ask Christ in your heart, and he comes into your heart when you're born again. But you know what? That's not always a... a uh, sometimes we're very, in our own minds anyway, we're very sure of a thing. But sometimes we're not. I mean, you've got to remember, you know, Judas is walking with Jesus for three, three and a half years. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. Like Peter, like Paul. I mean, not Paul. Like Peter, like Andrew, like James, like John, like, like all them guys. And, and here they are, and, and Judas is one of them, and they, don't, they didn't know. He looked like the real deal. Is Simon the real deal? Well, it's not for us to consign people to hell or to consign them to hell. That's above our pay grade. I mean, you do understand that, right? But here's what we know. Here's what the Spirit of God wrote, and, and this is for us to consider. Uh, Simon himself believed, and he was baptized, and he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Good stuff. Now, when the apost- now this is, this is very controversial. I'm just going to give you my best, what I think, okay? When the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Why? Because Philip, he's just a, he's a deacon. He can't really preach the gospel. Come on, that's not deacon work. He can't baptize people. Come on, right? So you're making a face. You're, you're frowning. You get your frowny face on. No. Uh, we don't make a distinction here. Can you preach the gospel? Oh, be my guest. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, can I baptize somebody? Yes. Yeah, ab- I have no problem with that. Oh, well, you got to be a pastor. Um, where do you see that? Well, some will see it here, frankly. Okay? You know, I'm... When we do baptize somebody, I like to get the, like, if it's a, your, your son or your daughter, I like to get the guy involved who's the high priest of his house, and I want him to be in, in baptizing his own son. Do I like to do that too? Yeah, as a pastor, I mean, that's, that's the great, that, that, we love that. We love that as pastors. We love doing that, okay? Uh, do I have to? It's, it's not real unless I'm involved, right? Come on. I never trained anyone. I never taught anyone that. Well, I'm, I'm not even a deacon. <laughs> Never mind, you know, deacon. I'm not even a deacon. We don't have... Listen, that's a job description. That's not who you are. That's not like this, 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 this entitles you... Okay, you're a deacon now. You're entitled to baptize. We read you this verse here. No. We want you to... If you're like overstepping your boundaries, I think let God determine that, Okay. Uh, they, I think the reason that they come down, because this, again, this is Samaria. We're not living there. We don't understand what's going on. So Philip comes back to Jerusalem. Yeah, I had this great revival down in Samaria. All people getting saved. I was doing these works, and I, these, I was delivering demons out of people. Oh, God was awesome. He showed up, and, you know, we got people there. They, they got saved, and they were, like, you know, baptized. And I'm sure there were them people there, like, Phil, old buddy. 
calm down. God does not save Samaritans. Now go back to waiting on tables. And I think the reason that John and Peter there are only to bear witness in the mouth of two or three witnesses maybe would be established. So when Peter and, and, and John come back and say, oh, listen, God is for real working in Sam- Samaria. The argument's over. There's no naysayers. Nobody's going to gainsay Peter and John. And I think that's the reason where they're dispatched here. Okay, Peter and John, go see if this is the real deal and stuff like this. And I think, you know, well, I don't know if they were sent. I think Peter, you know, he's the, he, don't, he don't get sent very much. He's the guy who goes, right? He's like, I'm going to go down. Come on, John, let's go down and see what's going on here. You know, let's, let's check this out for ourselves. Are they still wrestling with their preconceived notions? Perhaps. I don't know. I don't know what their heart is, but perhaps. Who, when they would come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost? For as yet he was fallen unto none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. We'll enter Simon again, but let's look at this little part. Is this, do you have questions about this? Because you can't really receive the Holy Spirit unless it's imparted by an apostle. I got scripture. He's saying, well, no, wait a second. That ain't, that ain't, I mean, I want to, I want to receive the Holy, can I just like pray? Do I have to go up and make a big scene and can I just like, you know, when, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, keep continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit, can I just do that? I have to go find an apostle all the time? Man, it's going to really bog down stuff. This is new. This is different. This is the time, the first time the gospel goes to the Samaritans. And I think God's just bearing witness. This is how it played out. I do want to see something, though. There's a salvation, and then there's a receiving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, receiving of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it correctly. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you in a sealing way, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and He never leaves you, never forsakes you. He's there permanently, and that's what Scripture teaches. And any, I don't think anyone there is even doubting that. Uh, all Christians believe that. Salvation, Holy Spirit. There's a few who... Uh, Read a verse like this, and then they'll say, oh, you're a Christian, good, you're saved, and you're one of us, great. But did they get the ghost? And they have that weird terminology and those weird phrases. And, and that means you've got to come up here, and you've got to pray through. I don't know what verse that is, but whatever. You've got to pray through, and usually you've got to lift your hands, and you've got to keep them lifted up. And if you can't, because it takes an hour and a half, and somebody else come, and they'll lift your hands. Say, hey, you sound like you know something about this. Uh, I might. Anyway, and you gotta, and then of course you gotta speak in tongues. You have to. And then you got the ghost, and now you're one of us. Yay. I want to tell you that there's a difference between having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, scripturally. That's all I'm trying to say here. And here I think it happens like this because it happens like this, because it's Samaria, because it's new ground, because it's a new deal. Uh, I think these believers, they're on board, they're going to heaven. Do they have the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Do they have the baptism of the Holy Whatever you call it, whatever name you've conjured up, or whatever scripture you like and you've attached to this, filled, uh, you know, baptized. Not every Christian is yielded, filled with the Holy Spirit, and manifesting the Holy Spirit. I, I, see, I see that myself pretty clearly. 
There are other Christians of different traditions who don't. And I don't want to make it a caste system, spirit-filled. You guys ought to get that, spirit-filledness, like me. <laughs> I, I don't, it's a, it's, it's a grace receiving. It's not something you've accomplished through your great praying through. That, all that stuff is nonsense. I think the only qualification at all is don't have unconfessed sin in your life. I don't think God wants to put a seal of approval on your sin. Oh, I'm smoking dope and live with my girlfriend, but, you know, I'm still speaking in tongues and all. I think that's nonsense. I think that's just ridiculous. I think that's like, because people think like, oh, God's approval of my sin. Oh, he understands. Yeah, he understands that you're sinning and that nothing good will come of it, sin, ever. Uh, so I got saved. I le legitimately got saved. I asked Christ to come out. How he, he, he's in my heart. I got joy. I got, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, gentleness, goodness, faith, all that good stuff. I got all this. I know there's been a change. I know it. I know it. I love the Lord now. I used to not. I care about people. I used to not. I'm born again, for sure. And I'm like, amen, amen. No argument from here. Have you received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, what God's got for you? What's the difference? Results. Peter's full, um, Philip's full of the Holy Spirit and he's preaching and there's miracles and there's people getting saved and, there's, and God is, you know, and I don't have this filling of the Holy Spirit so everything I'm doing is just on the power of the flesh and it's, it's so hard and it's so, and it's just flesh and it's just, what's the difference? Man? Flesh and spirit is the difference. God said, God the Son said, go to Jerusalem. The Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to be my witnesses. Four, so you can share the gospel with everybody in a powerful way. Otherwise, we're just, you know, how many verses did you memorize? And if our argumentation is better than their argumentation? And no, I, 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 don't, I don't know except all I know is this. You, you should want everything that God has for you. You should, you should, you should zealously want this. Now, how do they know, for as yet he, the Holy Spirit is he, not it, he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of, of the Lord Jesus, which is good. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. How'd they know? How'd they know? Did they, what? I don't know. Maybe they spoke in tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance in Acts chapter 2. Maybe because it's some sort of manifest, and, and that's my personal conviction, but you don't have to share that, by the way, because I don't have a verse that tells you that. I do have a, I mean, you can read it here, and it's obviously something's going on, because now they can see the difference to the point where Simon saw that through laying on the hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money. When you get saved and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, did we see that? No, sometimes we wonder. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. <laughs> so, well, is that Christian at all? We don't know. They're like awful worldly, you know. But here it's different to the point where Simon sees something. He says, hey, I want in. Can I buy that gift off you? That's the wrong question, the wrong answer, the wrong everything. Saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Simon doesn't even want this gift for himself. He just wants to be able to impart it because he still wants to be somebody it's just vainglory. It's just, 
it's all about me. It's all, he's already been promoting himself like he's great someone. Now he's back to just a small fish in a big pool, and he's not anybody anymore except a follower of Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, well, give me that power. Here's money. Uh, it's called simony. You can buy the office of a, a you know, there's throughout the dark ages and everything, people used to buy the papacy, if you'll have it. I mean, true, true that. I mean, you can, 10 minutes in any library or a few mouse clicks, you can see all the stuff you want to see on that. You know, how, how does God feel about it? Peter said unto him, the mo- <laughs> thy money perish with thee because thou was thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You think you're going to buy heaven with your good works. Many people think that. Most people I talk to, and I've t- talked to them for years and years, and so have you, when you say, you know, heaven and hell, you start talking about them, they say, I'm a good person, and what they're saying is, I'm good enough on my merit to buy heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm purchasing it. I'm a good person. Your money perish with you. I have a friend of mine telling me about, he was you know, sharing with a guy and his wife was saying, oh, do you know how much money he's given to the church, his wife said. And my friend is like, what? <laughs> he's a good man. He's purchased his place in the kingdom. Don't you see that? His wife thought. What is Peter's idea of this? Your money perish with you. you hey, this great noise fervent heat, everything's going to be dissolved and your money is going to be there with it. And you perish with your money. He, he, this is not... Uh, your money perish with thee. Does uh, Peter think this man's going to heaven? No, he thinks he's perishing. We don't always know. You thought you, the gift of God may be purchased with money. You say, well, how am I going to go to heaven then? Uh, if I can't write out checks, if I can't be and purchase it my good work. It's a gift. Don't you just read it? It's a gift. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, uh, this is uh, so incredible. I don't know if I can say it enough. This is how I got saved. This is what I found out. It was, I, I can't earn heaven with, with religiosity because I was sure trying. Oh, it's a gift. I get gift. I understand the concept of gift. People give it to me. I receive it. I open it up in this great joy. Yay, I got a gift. God will give you heaven. You can't buy anything from God. It's not for sale. You will receive it the way God ordained it to be received as a gift, which means you've got to be some kind of humble to receive. You mean there's nothing I can do? Oh, there is nothing. And you say, amen, give it to me. And you will get it. Uh, you think, oh, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to, you know, muscle up spiritually. I'm going to, no, you're ridiculous. No. No. It, absolutely not. I, I don't even have, if you could show me one verse that even hints at that. I've only been studying this book since I'm 20. I'm 58. I have, I've learned a few things. I've never seen a verse that even cl- comes close to the ridiculous thought you have, I'm a good person. I never, saw, I never saw that. If I see it, then maybe I'll believe, but I know it's not there. You, you have to believe that. I know what I'm talking about here. No, you can receive what God has from you, but you can't purchase it. You have neither lot in this matter. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Well, I repented. I got saved. I even got baptized. No, you didn't, none of that stuff counted. 
Your heart's not right. And that's the problem. That's always the problem. Isn't that always the problem? Because we talk with somebody and they say the right words. They've learned the God jargon. They say the right things. They act right. They, but we always, eh, I wonder, you know, if something ain't quite, and we, we're always, because what, what, what? We can't see the heart. That's why we don't, we don't tell people, well, we don't say this one's in heaven, this one's in hell, this one's going to heaven, this one's going to hell. I can say in the authority of the word of God, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. I can say it. Now, haven't you said, no, I accepted Christ. I believe in Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. If that's true, you're going to heaven. But I can't see your heart. I don't know how true that is. I, 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 some people, I, I think in my heart of hearts, I know that I know. But in the end of the day, uh, you know, this guy looked like the real deal. And Peter's saying, you're, you're, you're perishing. Your heart's not right in the sight of God. What do you need to do? Repent. What a wonderful, glorious, oh, praise you, Lord. What a great word, repent. I was going to destruction. I repented, turned around. Now I'm going to heaven. What a wonderful word. Oh, I had to humble myself. Big deal. Big deal. You know, other than that, uh, repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. The, the phrase bond of iniquity, it's redundant. Iniquity is bondage in and of itself. Talk to the drug addict, talk to the druggie, talk to the sex pervert, talk to the... Sin has a way of producing bondage. Jesus says, if you continue my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Oh, you know that verse? Oh, good, that's good. We love that verse, don't we? Hey, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm no slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I love that song. I love that song. I love this song. Why? Because it just summarizes who we are. No, you're in the gall of bitterness. You're in the bond of iniquity. The answer Simon said, pray ye the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. So it has a happy ending. I, I mean, I think, I mean, he's not like, well, forget you, I'm out of here. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, this is the right answer. I, I, I don't know. Again, I can't see his heart. I hope it's the real deal. Repent. Oh, I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want to perish. Ah, pray for me. I, I think that's good. Pray the Lord for me. None of these things that you have spoken come upon me. If you're on the outside looking in today, I hope this is your attitude too. I'll be happy to pray with you. Come on up and see me after here. Say, well, I don't want it in front of everybody. Humble yourself. Repent. These people aren't your enemy. What, what do you think? People will laugh at you? They will bring you here. They will, they will help. They will aid in the bet. And, well, it'll look like what, a sinner needing salvation? We already know that. We, 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 all, we all did that. We, all of us were saved. We all, we all were a sinner needing salvation. We all humbled ourselves and asked. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Okay, well then there our guys will come and they'll send us out of here in song. I say guys, I mean people, you know. <laughs> we'll stand, we'll pray.
She smiled. She knows what I meant. Lord, we thank you for this, this clear word of your, from your, your holy Bible. You want us to repent. You want us to be saved. And you want us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, not, not tremendously uh, difficult verses. Uh, your word is pretty clear. We muddy it up sometimes, but I, I think it, it's obvious, Lord, you want us to get saved by Jesus Christ. And we thank and praise you for that glorious gospel that has converted us from the kingdom of darkness into your glorious kingdom of light. Uh, we're, we're born again. We're new creations in Christ because we've trusted you. You've done everything for our salvation. And we can't add anything to it. We praise and thank you for that. And Lord, for those of us who are struggling with this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the free gift that's ours as the, our inheritance, our, our, it's, our, it's our new birthright in Christ. And let's just humbly receive, in Jesus' name, 